You're listening to audio from The Village Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit tvcresources.net. Good morning, church. My name is Brooke Ledbetter, and I serve on the production team and as a care advocate. This morning, we're reading Romans 6, 1 through 11. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Brooke. Well, good morning. It's good to see you. We're just going to walk through that passage together. So if you have your Bibles, either digital or analog, why don't you go ahead and turn there and we'll dive in. Uh, I've told my daughter since they were little, never trust a man who won't wear pink. And so there are times where you have to start embodying the law yourself. Uh, and so I've just said, look, if they're like, then they are not the kind of man that can lead you in the way that God wants to lead you. And so I'm not trying to shame any brother in here that's anti-pink. I'm just saying your insecurity's flaring. Uh, and if you're masculine enough, you can pull off pink. And I see some of you uh, pulling it off beautifully this morning. Got a thumbs up from the back. Now, um, I want to be quick and simple this morning. Now, if you, you're, you're a member here, I'm trying to do that every weekend, so it doesn't really matter uh, for you. The, I'm just going to try to be quick and simple. And, and here's what I'm trying to do today. I want to show you that the resurrection of Jesus Christ for us as Christians is a means of celebration. And, and if you're not a believer, then for you, it's an invitation. Uh, so that Resurrection Sunday becomes both celebration and invitation at the same time in the same room. And so if you've always kind of struggled, like, what's this actually really all about? If you've wondered, great, great, great. So uh, a Jewish man 2,000 years ago died on a cross and he supposedly resurrected. What good is that for me now? Uh, like my marriage is in trouble now. Like I, my soul's disheveled right now. Like my world's falling apart now. What does that have to do with this? Well, I'm glad you're asking that question because uh, I want to take a swing at it. Uh, probably about six years ago, I was invited to uh, preach at in Clear Creek, Texas, which is just down in that Houston area, just about 30 minutes from where I graduated high school down in Lamarck, Texas City, on the other side of the Galveston uh, Bay Bridge. And so I went down uh, and I preached in the morning and then I had about five or six hours before I was preaching again at the, in the evening. And so I had this thought that I should hop in my car and drive down to the old stomping grounds, right? And, and we lived in about four or five 
five different houses. My, my daddy has a restless soul. Uh, and so every you know, year or two, he'd just find a new house to move us to. Uh, and so I was going to take pictures of those houses. And then, you know, that you, you've got it. I've got it. That 30 foot tree that you climbed when you were little, which actually was a bush, but you didn't know that until you go back. So that was my plan. I'm going to hop in my car. I'm going to drive down. I'm going to take pictures of the homes I grew up in so that when I get home, I can show my kids. This is where daddy grew up and 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 this is where daddy grew up. And so that was the plan. So I'm in my car, I'm heading south on 45 from Clear Creek. And as I come into like right across um, the, the kind of city or town line in Texas city there, there's a field off to the right. And when I was in high school, I sucker punched a kid named Sean right in the side of his head. And I beat the trash out of him in a way that wherever he is today, he hates me. I'm not making a joke. This was a deeply shameful moment for me. I humiliated him in front of a group of people and wherever he is today, he hates me. And then from there, I was driving on to, you know, trying to find Grafton, trying to remember where all these houses are. And I pass Holly's house. And man, if I could go back in time, how I would change that. And then uh, on my way to another one of the houses, there was Amber's house. And there were some things that happened at a party at Amber's house that will never be a part of my public facing testimony. And I began to feel nauseous. And I began to be overwhelmed with regret. I began to see clearly that some of the things that are difficult for me today are tied to the fact that I was a fool back then. And I just felt defeated and condemned. And, and as I um, took the pictures of the homes and got back into my car and, and headed towards Clear Creek, what, what I felt in my soul, not so much thoughts in my mind, but what I felt in my soul were little questions like, I wonder what Holly would think about you being a pastor. I wonder if Sean could sit in the crowd tonight, whether or not he'd believe anything you had to say. And I was physically feeling nauseous and spiritually feeling crushed. And I drove into Clear Creek and I don't know if you're picking up, I'm an extrovert, like hundred percent extrovert. There's no introvert in me. It's just, I think it drives my kids crazy. I'm like, Hey, do you know them? Not at all. We're about to. And so like that, that's just how I'm built by God. And I just wanted to go to the green room and shut the door. And I even wondered, is this nausea enough to just tap out of tonight? And just say, sorry, I'm not feeling well. Uh, I, somebody else needs to take the rep. And so I shut the, the green room door and I'm just kind of wrestling with the Lord. And, and I, man, I don't know how you're wired. Maybe you have a whole different thing. I am cruel to me. I am so mean to me, man. Far crueler to me than God is. And so that, that's my fight. I didn't even know I was in the fight. That's my fight. Maybe you found yourself in that space. So I'm in this green room. Uh, I'm wrestling with the Lord in passages like this begin to fill my head. And maybe you're not making the connection, but here's the connection. That passage and probably 10 others say to the Christian that that Matt Chandler is dead, right? So, so that's, that's the celebration. The, the celebration is not that God went, you know what? That wasn't that big of a deal. It's not that, that God saw and he knew what happened at Holly's house and went, that's fine. It's not that he saw and knew the kind of schmuck I was and says, that doesn't bother me at all. It's that he saw all of it 
and he nailed it to the cross of Christ so that that Matt Chandler is dead and the life I now live is not that Matt Chandler, it's a new Matt Chandler formed by faith in the grace of God uh, alone. And so if you've come in here and you're not a Christian and you're trying to get, uh, like, why are they singing or raising their hands or some people even misting up a little bit and, and worshiping, it's because all of our sin, past, present, and future, it has died with Christ on the cross. So that what you see standing before you today isn't some sort of moral perfection, but just someone who all their sin was nailed to the cross with Jesus so that I'm not defined by that or shaped by that or owned by that anymore. And this is why I do think it's so important for you to know the word of God and memorize the word of God. Cause in that day, in that fight as a believer, you'll need the scriptures to remind you, no, 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 that, yeah, that was terrible. Not, it's not like, it's not like bad self-esteem therapy, you know, or like, you know what, you're a great person when you know, and everybody else knows you're a piece of trash person. That's not what God does. God comes to you and says, I got you. There's grace for you. It's not like that's not big of a deal. It's a huge deal. What do you think the cross is all about? The cross is it's a massive deal, Matt Chandler. Like what happened to Sean in that field? That's a huge deal. What happened? Oh, that's a massive deal. What happened at Amherst? That is a terrible deal. And so I'm going to put it to death. And he does. And that's why we rejoice. That's why we sing. That's why our lives have been formed by the presence of Christ. Because he's seen all of that. And he hadn't moved from us. He's moved towards us. But for those of you who aren't Christians, it's an invitation. Like, I don't know what you've come in with. Past or present. Both of those matter. I don't know how you've been shaped. Like, I meet people all the time. This community like, well, I'd go. A lightning bolt would hit me. Well, that's not how it works. Like, you're right where you're supposed to be. Only screwed up people allowed. It's just the truth. That's the only kind of people that are in here. They're like, well, you, my neighbor invited me, Dave. He's perfect. Dave's not perfect. <laughs> Dave's far from perfect. If you could see the motivations of his heart and the thoughts of his mind, he'd be gross to you. But you can't, and God can, and God put it to death. And so that's the invitation to you. And our celebration this morning, and I have fasted and prayed all week that some of you would move from invitation to celebration today. That, that's the hope. That's the prayer. Now, the, the passage starts out. I want you to look at this. The passage starts out in verse 1. So if you've been through our Roman study in men's or women's Bible study, you know the context of this passage. The context of the passage is Paul's just argued salvation is not granted through moral righteousness. Salvation can be had outside the law of God through a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's the argument. You will not earn your way into heaven. You cannot be more morally pure enough to get into heaven, to get into the presence of God. It's not purchased by your good behavior. Well, that creates some problems. Like if that's true, then let me do whatever I want to do and God will forgive me. He's so loving. He doesn't care. So let me just do whatever I want to do. And from there, God who's loving will forgive me. Well, Paul wants to address that right out of the gate. So let's look at this. What shall we say then? to being able to get salvation, not from our own behavior, but as a free gift of God in Christ. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. Not, not that you care about that, this, but the Greek there, by no means, basically saying that's impossible. 
Shall we sin all the more so that grace may abound like Paul right out of the gate coming off of Jesus saves you. You don't save you knows that our default is going to be to praise God then like God's Mr. Rogers. He's always going to love us no matter what. He's always going to forgive us no matter what. So let me do whatever I want because God doesn't care. This is a warning. Shall we sin all the more so that grace may abound? That's not the way it works. Like the apostle Paul saying, if that's what you think and that's how you live, you're not a Christian. So I'm not trying to start a fight. That's not even my personality type. I'm saying that if that's your posture around faith, then I don't, I don't care what your backstory is. If you got baptized when you were nine and, and you grew up Republican, you're not a Christian. You with me? You follow me? And how dare I say that? I'm not saying that. The apostle Paul saying that. the book is saying that the Holy Spirit saying that the third person of the Trinity is saying that if you can, I'm going to do whatever I want to do because God's going to ultimately forgive me because I'm a great guy. Paul's going, be careful here. This ain't Mr. Rogers. This isn't six pound, eight ounce baby Jesus that you're messing with. This is something holy and eternal and fierce. And then from there, he, he moves on to talk about don't continue in sin. So we don't talk a lot about sin, right? It's wildly out of fashion in 2022. But let's talk for a second. Um, so, so sin, uh, j- just as clean as we can get it, is missing the mark. You've got God's good design for you and for me, and, and we fall short of that glory. And we do that either by doing what we know is wrong or not doing what we know is right. So, right, sins of commission and omission. You can do wrong or you can simply refuse to do what you know is right, and the Bible calls that sin. But from there, there there's these other ways of explaining the state that you and I find ourselves in. Um, and so there's the word iniquity, and iniquity kind of explains how our lives get out of control. Right? Iniquity is a premeditated choice continuing on without repentance. And this is the way the prophet Micah put it. Woe to those who devise wickedness and work evil on their beds. When the morning dawns, they perform it because it is in their power. It's in the power of their hand. Now this reference to bed isn't a reference to anything sexual. He's talking about that moment when we're laying in bed at night and we begin to think about our compulsions. We begin to think about our sinfulness and we begin to hatch plans for what we're gonna do tomorrow. Right? So, so we're in bed and we're thinking that this lustful compulsion I have, this, um, this, I need to cover this up, this, this, these things that kind of are in our hearts that we like to pretend aren't, we lay in bed and we plan out our sinfulness for the next day and then we execute upon it. And then that will always take us farther than we imagine we can go. This is just the truth. I think the cleanest place to see this in the Bible is King David. You might know David from his victory over Goliath. That's kind of the popular one. Uh, but really, um, David has an ascent and then he has a pretty terrible descent. And I would guess most of your favorite Psalms are Psalms of descent, right? Like on the way down. And, and the Bible tells us that Jonathan, his best friend dies. This disorients David. And rather than going off to war, he stays at home and he's up on the roof and he sees a woman bathing on the roof, which that's not uncommon. You're like, that's why is she? No, that's what they, and so he sees and he asks about her. Hey, who's that? And his friend, he's like, right there, he's going, hey, dummy, that's, this isn't going to read like this in first Kings. This is my take on it. But he, he says, hey, that's Uriah's wife. Like, you know, the guy that's put himself in harm's way right now for you. 
You know, the way that's actually filling in the gap where you punked out and stayed at home. The one that's fighting your fight. That's his bride. Undeterred. David brings her up. They spend the night and then, uh oh, she's pregnant. So David laying in bed. This is Micah. This is you and me laying in bed. Dang it. What am I going to do? Well, I can't confess it. Can't come into the light. I'm the king. What would people think? Oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bring Uriah back from the front because it's one thing I know mighty men of valor want when they've been off to war for, you know, half a year when they come home, it's to cuddle with mama. Sends a runner, brings Uriah back, but Uriah so loves David and so loves the kingdom that Uriah refuses to lay with his wife. Uh Uh-oh. So now King David's back laying in bed at night going, well, dang it. That didn't work. Oh, you know what? I know what I'll do now. I've got some Pappy Van Winkle 20. I'm going to invite him over. If you know, you know, Selah, hallelujah. And, uh, and then here, here comes Uriah or here comes Uriah to the house. Double shots, hands it out, gives him a little bit more, gives him a little more, gets, gets Uriah warm faced and sends him home. Uriah, even in a drunken state, so loves David and so loves the kingdom and so doesn't trust himself to go in that he sleeps on the front porch, doesn't go in. David, back in bed, great, what am I supposed to do now? So here's what David thinks, lying in bed that night. I'm going to write a letter to Joab. I'm gonna have Joab put Uriah right in the middle of the fiercest fighting, and then I'm gonna tell him to pull everyone back so Uriah falls by the sword. How did David get from Goliath and the victory of God through him over and over and over again to writing a letter to murder an innocent man who is 100% dedicated to God and him and the kingdom. Iniquity. It takes us farther than we think we can possibly go. And this is how the Bible talks about sin. And this is you and this is me. We do the same thing. When our sin starts to catch up with us, what we think about at night is how to cover it up, how to bury it, how to create distance, how to get rid of it, how to destroy it. How to, that's what David's doing here. This is what the Bible means when it talks about iniquity. But it's not just iniquity. It's also transgression. And transgression is just kind of presumptuous sin, right? It's like to choose to willfully disobey. You know that moment when you're about to do something and everything inside of you is like, you shouldn't do that. And you're like, I hear you. I hear you. And you do it, right? That, that's this. And so what's happening in this passage is the apostle Paul is saying, shall we continue in this? Shall we stay in this? Can you possibly, if you're a Christian, if you're in Jesus, stay on this path? And his answer is by no means. Why? Here we go to invitation and celebration. Look at verse three. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into his death. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order, listen to this, that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. So so how do we no longer continue in sin, in iniquity, in transgression? We die to self. Christian, 
the most consistent lie you're going to hear bubbling up in your soul is that God's disappointed in you and that somehow you're unusable. You are going to be told over and over and over again that the good work of the kingdom belongs to professional Christians and that robs you of what I think is your destiny, how you've been uniquely wired and uniquely placed in this moment of history. You tracking with me? Unbeliever, the invitation today is to die to self and let all that is behind you and is currently enslaving you finally die so that you don't have to carry it anymore. I want to love you well enough to say if you're distraught and in despair today, my guess is you have led yourself into that. A surefire way to be miserable the whole of your life is to make your personal happiness preeminent in your pursuit in life. Like chasing happiness is like trying to use your map apps in a downtown area. Anybody ever try that? Where like throws you to another state? Like, how are you saying I'm in Charlotte? I'm in downtown Dallas. It's like, take a left here. You're like, there's no left there. It's a one-way street. How do you not know this? Well, this is what it's like to pursue happiness. Gosh, you know this. What made you happy three years ago already doesn't anymore. You're already even now in a moment where you thought if you could just get to this moment, all the kind of, you know, surliness in your soul would come to quiet. And here you are. Here you are. It's a lie. We must die to self. This is the celebration of the Christian and the invitation to the unbeliever. Come and die and join Christ in his death so that sin is brought to nothing. Right? Sin is brought to nothing. And, and that the former self, the old you, dies completely so that the shame and guilt that can overwhelm you and wreak havoc in your relationship with God and others can be put aside so that you might walk in the newness of life. And that's really where this goes next. Look at verse four. For we were buried therefore with him by baptism into his death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father, we too might walk in the newness of life. There's your promise. Newness of life. It ain't going to be like it used to be. New life. Now you die. Newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. That the body of sin might be brought to nothing. I don't know what's back there in your story. I don't know what's in your present struggle. But the promise of Jesus is die to self and that's brought to nothing. It weighs nothing any longer. It counts as nothing any longer. I have paid the bill in full. It's brought to nothing celebration, invitation, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus Christ. Here's your invitation. Newness of life and set free from the controlling power of sin. That is the celebration of the Christian and the invitation to 
the unbeliever. Let me talk to the Christian first. We know that we were built and created by God to run on intimacy with Jesus. That the fuel of our life is not moral conformity to the moral law of God, although the moral law of God is a beautiful, right thing that we should be serious about. But what forms us into the kinds of people that God is turning us into is not white-knuckled discipline towards a kind of moralistic deism, but rather, let me order my life around the presence of Jesus and let him form me and shape me over time. And, and Christian, I, I, I have to wonder how many of us believe the lies and the accusations of the enemy and we run from him. Uh, I sat down with um, a, a friend of mine who was just in despair. I mean, just in despair. His son um, had, without him even noticing, had kind of drifted into some deep and significant depression. And from that place of depression, began to seek uh, how, to, uh, how to just kind of medicate the loneliness and melancholy he was feeling. And so uh, started with uh, weed and then just kind of went deeper down the rabbit hole and got into some really nasty drugs that sent him spiraling out of control brother's in prison now, and just through tears and snot and heartbreak, because your kids will call up the most primal things in you imaginable. He just wept and threw his tears and trying to get words out of his mouth. He said, I just wish he would have come to me. I just wish he would have just come and told me that, that he was struggling like at the earliest possible moment that he felt alone and he felt that no one saw him, that he would have just come out of love to been there with him and walked with him and, and maybe it would have ended the same way, but I just wish he would have told me. So Christian, like how do we double down on the celebration of dying to self and being raised to walk in the newness of life? Well, we never run from God when we blow it. Like we press into the God who knows. Are you tracking with me? Like I feel like God in heaven on many of us, we're struggling so we run from God and God's like, just bring that in here. Like I love you, get that in here. Do you know that uh, later on when David's busted for being the moron that he is, that, that he says of God, the broken and contrite in spirit you will never despise. And later on in the book of Acts, David's called a man after God's own heart, an adulterer and a murderer, a man after God's own heart. Well, yeah, because he knew the broken and contrite in spirit you won't despise. And rather than pulling back and isolating, he pressed in to the goodness of God in Christ. And the Lord walked him through healing and restoration, not without pain and not without consequence. But the only way through was through, not around, not over, not underneath, through. Christian, we celebrate because whatever we are, we're welcomed in his presence. Don't let the enemy tell you that's not true. Press into ongoing sanctification and growth in holiness and then unbeliever. This is great news for you. Newness of life. Victory over sin. Are you kidding me right now? Newness of life? Yes, please. Like, like to leave here different than we walked in? Like, like I get it, like that didn't even sound like it's possible. Well, it, it's not possible for you. It's why you've got to die. And, and then if you die, all of a sudden, man, all things are possible. 
And the church has celebrated these realities in two primary ways, really, since the beginning. The, the first is through the Lord's Supper or communion, that we take um, bread and we take juice and, and we celebrate our union with Christ. Right? Like, like we take a little piece of bread and, and a little cup of juice. And what we're celebrating in that moment is our union with Jesus, that we died with Jesus and we've been raised with Jesus, that he is in us and we are in him. So think about the possibilities of this. Like I, I'm not that fast and I can't fly, but if you put me in a plane, now all of a sudden I've got some speed and I can get up there. And in the same way, it, am I morally perfect and just absolutely not? You put me in Christ, all of a sudden I start looking really, really good. This is the invitation to you. Come and find union with Christ. Your soul was meant to run on it. No other gospel will work. The gospel of self-actualization isn't going to work. The gospel of health and fitness, not enough probiotics for you to get in there to work. The, the, the gospel of happiness, it's just not going to work. Death, death works. Newness of life, that works. That's what we're celebrating in the Lord's table. And that's what we celebrate in baptism. I don't know if you've even thought about it this way. Uh, like you, you take someone in the water and you put them under the water, right? Right. To, to show what, to symbolize what this person is dying to themselves. And it doesn't matter what their past is. It's not like you got to get a testimony and then like count underwater, like bad people got to hold extra long. You got three minutes down there. Good luck, buddy. It's not the way it works. It's just, I'm dying to self. I'm saying I'm not ruling my life anymore down. And then what happens? You don't leave You, you pull them back up to what newness of life, brand new, clean, a new future. Gosh, for some of you this morning, it's going to be um, a new future of generations where you get to break from your bloodline in a unique and profound way. That the story of your family name isn't going to be uh, a jail or whatever or abuse or neglect or passivity, but, but the new line will be fierce, submitted, surrendered, made new. And so we're going to end our time together in a celebration of both of these things. A celebration of the Lord's table, a celebration of baptism where we celebrate those who have been transferred out of the domain of darkness and into the kingdom of his beloved son. I want you to do me a favor. Why don't you just bow your heads and close your eyes there where you are. We're going to be done in, in literally a minute, two minutes. I'm wondering if, man, you've been here for a while or maybe you're just here for the first time today. And at some point while we were just sharing Romans 6, something clicked in your soul. And, and for the first time in your life, all this makes sense. Or maybe you've come in, you're just finally tired enough. Maybe you've, you've made such a significant mess this time that, that you know you're not going to be able to work your way out of this one. And today, for the, for the first time, you want to just say yes to Jesus. You want to die to yourself. You want this newness of life that's been promised to you. You want uh, the death of the former self. You, you want all of that to be brought to nothing so that the newness of life in union with Christ would become 
what marks you moving forward. If that's you this morning, you're like, man, I, I think I'm finally, I, I, I get enough now that I, I want to just say yes to that. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? It's just you and me. Just go, I need to do that. I, I just haven't done that yet. Uh, I've been around stuff, but I've just never said yes. Praise God. Thank you. Several of you. Why don't you go put your hands down now? Now, let me ask you this, Christian. I, I wonder how many of us have been lulled into a kind of self-hate and shame because we're not what we think we should be. And in so doing, we've run from the Lord instead of run to him. So right now you've come in the day and there's a lot of distance between you and Jesus. There's a lot of distance between your heart and his heart. And you don't even know how it happened to you. You're just kind of waking up this morning going, oh my gosh, I'm a lot farther away than I thought I was. And, and if that's you and you're, you're a Christian, but you, man, I'm just, you've believed some of the lies of the enemy and you've allowed distance to be created between you and the Lord. Would you do me a favor? Just raise your hand. Just unashamed. It happens to all of us. Gosh, yeah, all over the place. Praise God. Okay, why don't you put your hands down? I want to pray for us now. And we're going to sing a song together. And man, if you're a Christian, you raise your hand, you're like, man, I, I, I created distance. I just want you to repent of believing those lies and just ask the Holy Spirit of God to shrink that gap between you and the Lord in this moment. And then if you were, I mean, there, there are probably five or six of you in here. I don't know. I can't see over in Highland Village, but even over in Highland Village, if you, if you raise your hand, you're like, there were several of you in here. I, I want to say yes to him. I, I'm saying yes to Jesus today. Here's how I want to encourage you. When we're, um, when I'm done praying, we're all going to stand together and sing. And there are going to be some men and women that are along the back wall uh, of this sanctuary over in Highland Village. There'll be two up front and there'll be two in the back. And this morning, if you raised your hand, you said, man, I'm saying yes, I'm not reigning and ruling over my life. I'm, I'm letting me die today. And I want that newness of life moving forward. I would just encourage you as soon as we start to sing, why don't you go grab the hands of one of our pastors and just say, Hey, I'm, I'm dying to self. I'm not even sure what all that means, but I'm dying to self. And they're going to ask some questions and love on you, encourage you, pray for you. And then we'd love to just baptize you today as a symbol of what you're doing. we got shorts and t-shirts and towels, and this place will freak out that we get a front row seat to watch people transferred out of the domain of darkness and into the kingdom of his beloved son. We'll tell you the more that you debate whether you should or not, the more I'm sure you'll stay in your seat. But I'm trying to encourage you, don't let the enemy woo you out of that today. It's yours. God's given to you right now. It's not a magic prayer, magic water. It's this moment of you saying yes to Jesus and then following after in obedience that begins to make visible the grace of God for us to see and celebrate. And you can be those who came into an invitation today and leaves celebrating. Let me pray for us. Father, I bless these men and women. Thank you for my brothers and sisters who just confessed, man, there is some distance between me and the Lord and I hate it. So I just pray that you would woo them back into the beauty of relationship with you, intimacy with you. I pray for those who are so mean to themselves, so cruel to themselves. Will you minister to their souls? Encourage their spirits? Father, for those that raise their hands and listen, I'm, I want to say yes. Grant them courage in this moment courage to go grab the hand of one of our pastors and just say, I, I'm, I'm in on this good death. I, I want this newness of life and full surrender to King Jesus. Help us. We need you. It's for your beautiful name. I pray. Amen.